Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, July 3rd, 2019. And today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous and we are on page 37 on the third paragraph. Today's readers are, and thank you so much for your service, Janice B, Leon B, Carmela G, Tenzin P, Pam M, newcomer greeter Jason K, and Nadia B will be our host for next week, uh, next hour. OA preamble. Oh, I'm sorry. And the reference numbers for yesterday, July 2nd, 7 a.m. meeting is 1,313,101. That's 13101. And for yesterday's 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting is 13,103. That's 13103. OA preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Tenzin P. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Tenzin. Good morning. Uh, good morning, everyone. Tenzin P. checking in from New York City. Here are the steps we took, which are suggested as a program of recovery. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 
11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you very much. Wishing everyone a blessed day. Thank you, Tenzin P. I will now ask for Pam M. to read the 12 traditions. Go ahead, Pam. Blessed morning, visionaries. This is Pam M. from upstate New York with the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Have a miraculous day, everyone. Thank you, Pam. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and the literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone again. 
In order to have a quiet meeting, please, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book on page 37 on the third paragraph, and Janice B. is going to get us started. Go ahead, Janice. Thank you, Amy. Good morning, visionaries. This is Janice B., recovered compulsive overeater in Vermont. In in some circumstances, we have gone out deliberately to get drunk, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in light of what always happened. We now see that when we began to drink deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during the period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Okay, so I have underlined in this paragraph, our justification for esprit was insanely insufficient. And um, that word justification, um, the John Kay talk on Sunday about um, uh, how we justify different either behaviors for eating or um, our character defects. And um, I could really relate to that. I want to take you down. Um, a walk that I had down a, a grocery aisle in, into a grocery store thinking that um, I, I knew, I knew um, where um, uh, buying ice cream was going to bring me. I, I knew. Um, so that period in, right before I picked up, I, I was totally aware of what I was doing. But I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. I, could, I, I was completely powerless at that point. And I have to say, why, why, what led me there? I'm a chronic relapser. And, you know, after each one, I, I see what I do is um, the main thing, the main, I, I, I justified many seemingly unimportant decisions and most but the most the main thing I was doing was I was I was doing it by myself I was not willing to put money in the spiritual bank of trusting others and and reaching out and saying saying what was going on with me of doing step tens, um, feeling the feelings and, um, and paying attention to them, you know, instead of trying to shove them away and not pay attention. I wasn't, I wasn't, um, and that let, that's what, in addition to being powerless over food, um, that's what led me down that grocery aisle and, and powerless not to not to open up the case and and decide which one I was going to get that was going to 
to do it for me. And um, so I know, I know I need to reach out and, and not isolate because um, that's where it'll lead me. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Janice B., for getting us started. So who else would like to share what was read? And if you haven't shared from a couple in a couple days, we'd love to hear from you. Nancy W. Vinny T. Fran M. Fran M. Fran M. Reva P. Katie F. Lynn F. Okay, here's what I've got so far. I've got Nancy P., Vinny T., Fran M., Katie F., Reva P. I'll take a couple more. It was Nancy. Uh, try again. You both talked at the same time. Vicky T. Julie uh, E.B. Vicky, Vicky T. Lynn F. Julie E.B. And we'll hold Tom there. Okay, so this is the lineup. Nancy P., Vinny T., Fran M., Katie F., Reva P., Vicky, I'll have to get your last initial, and uh, Julie E.B. Okay, Nancy P., please go ahead. I believe it was Nancy H. It was Nancy somebody, so Nancy, okay. you go that right ahead. Me. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, everyone. This is Nancy H., a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. Very grateful. This, uh, I can really relate to this paragraph. The justification for a spree was so insanely insufficient, which means not enough. In light of the consequences, um, there are times that I've picked up because I thought I was justified, and I've said, I'll show you. And, of course, who was I showing but myself? And it was not a reason to pick up. It was an excuse. And that I probably was looking for an excuse. And the other part that I really relate to as well is little or serious effective thought about the consequences. Um, I Last time I picked up, after 17 years, I thought that it looked good. And I thought, in the back of my mind, I was hearing the, the words, I'm sure, from my higher power, saying, this is not a good idea. But I thought, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to have it because I want it. I haven't had it for a long time. And I knew right then and there, I didn't have, I had some, some uh, premeditation, but I didn't realize how, I really didn't believe that the consequences were going to be that bad. I just, I couldn't remember all the past, uh, times that I was in, in hell because of the overeating. I couldn't remember that I completely detach and isolate from people as soon as I pick up the first bite. But as soon as I put that first thing in my carriage, then that disease took off before I even started eating. And as I was going around the store looking, I, I was like revved up. I wanted to get one of everything that I hadn't had for a long time. And I could feel myself saying, put this back, put this back. But I would not do it, I, and I would not admit that it was going to kill me. And that almost killed me. And this last, uh, I hope it was my last binge, um, made me realize that even if I don't believe the consequences are going to be that bad, and I think I'm justified for some insanely uh, reason, that I, which is really the excuse, I know that I have, to, I have to not pick up and just say this is a bad idea, but I can't do that without my higher power and without being in fit spiritual condition. So just for today, I'm not picking up. Um, if I even think about it, I say, no, you don't do that anymore. 
and I hope that I will stay in fit spiritual condition so that I'll always be relieved one day at a time for that um, first compulsive bite and the mental obsession. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Minnie T, you're up. Uh, this is Vinny T. May I have you heard? Yes, very well. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Vinny T. recovered in North Carolina, gratefully. Um, as Nancy H. just said, I'll show you. Um, what I hear in this uh, paragraph is the defiance of the mental twist. You know, it's like, I am going to do this. And that's, that. you know, my mental twist shows up like that. You know, it's like, I, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, take this into my own hands. I don't have to, you know, give up and, uh, you know, my ego. I, I can, I can stay, you know, sick forever. Uh, <laughs> it's just a giving up. And um, I'm, I'm grateful to read this and, and, you know, be aware that that, feel, that that thought does come up and that I can resist it. I can resist it by using all the tools in the program and, um, you know, just staying with it, uh, staying with you all. Thank you very much. Uh, I pass. Thank you so much, Vinny T. Fran M., it is your turn. Please go ahead. Hi, thanks. This is Fran M. in New Jersey. Yeah, I love this paragraph because I know for me the many times I decide to go off or take myself out, as I call it, because really all I'm looking for is an escape from everything in my life, from anger, worry, depression, jealousy, and the like. Just what the paragraph says. I actually sometimes feel it's it's a mental twist, but it's also something physiological. Like my whole body is just incapable of thinking rationally. It just doesn't. It just goes like a shark to its prey for whatever is going to escape, take me into an escape from the psychological pain. The reason I want to speak as frequently as I try to is so many people have called me. This is not just a disease of overeating. I came in and I was binging and capable of gaining 50 pounds in a few months. But then it turned into an under-eating disease, which is what it started at for me. I was anorexic when I was a teenager. The same excitement and thrill and high can also come from under-eating, from restricting. Some of us are able to eat anything, and if I cut that little bit of ice cream I have for dessert sometimes, and I cut it in half, that's just as bad for me as when I used to eat a bite of ice cream and then go out and buy a half gallon and then go on to buy the whole convenience store. So it works both ways, and there is you know, the allergy can transmute itself in all sorts of fascinating ways as devious and strange and hard to pin down as some kind of bug in our gut. We really just, I don't know that we really understand it. I'm not a scientist. I don't know what to call these things. I just know how it works in me. It works both ways. So if you're an undereater or a bulimic or you have any other compulsions that you use to take yourself out, it's the same mental twist that's described in this paragraph. And there may very well be people in program who can eat foods that a lot of the rest of the people in OA do not eat, and they can eat them with you know, no problem. It's other kinds of behaviors that can set off the mental twist that starts with the mental twist or whatever. I don't even know how it works. I also have to say for me, 
the 12 steps work, the steps work, but so do the tools. If I first came into program and didn't have the tools, I would have never gotten abstinent in the first place because my mind was too screwed up to accept any of it except back-to-back phone calls, back-to-back meetings, and just making myself a robot who would just lock myself in a closet if it meant that was going to keep me from having another binge. So I think the whole program works. And I think eating is different from alcohol, and it doesn't work the same way. And not every single thing in the approach to alcoholism applies to food. I know that because I used to binge when I ate certain foods, and now I just don't. I do not binge on those same foods that I used to think were addictive for me. They're not. The addiction for me is to take myself out and to do exactly what this paragraph says. Anyway, and the way to solve it is through both the tools and the steps for me. A phone call can help just as well as working the steps for me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fran M. Katie F., it's your turn. Go ahead. Good morning. This is Katie F., a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia starting my timer. Um, Yes, I love this paragraph because, um, you know, but actually this sounds more like how I was when I was about 10, that I intentionally ate and didn't think about the consequences because as this disease progresses, that ability to stop um, and to think it through is just completely gone. You know, if you go to an AA meeting, they have this thing on the wall, uh, you know, they have these different slogans, and one of them is think, think, think. And, you know, that's the whole crux of my problem is that I lost that ability to think. I couldn't, I did not think it through at all. And now, you know, gratefully, um, what recovered means to me is that, you know, I have a relationship with my higher power. So, Immediately, if I, you know, look at the ice cream cones I bought my husband and think, you know, I've never had that, um, I immediately feel almost bile in my throat and a nausea in my stomach because I'm immediately plummeted back to my last binge, which was almost 32 years ago. But I still remember it like it was yesterday because I had a summer, uh, I've had almost a year of nonstop eating where I could not, um, there was no justification. There wasn't any logical reason for why I was eating. I was eating because I'm a compulsive overeater. And if you are still at the point where you're eating over one particular little situation, um, you know, you're not as far as I had to go because this disease is progressive and it gets to the point where there's, there's no logical reason whatsoever for eating. It's just what I did. And I could have everything going my way or I could have nothing going my way. And I was still shoving food in my mouth. So this program gives me a way out so that I can think so that I can um, remember I am not in a fog from the food every day and um, forgetting what uh, I need to do and that this too shall pass. Whatever horrible thing is going on in my life, and I've had plenty of them, my life has not been a bed of roses. Some people might hate the life I have now that I think is wonderful. But, um, you know, this isn't, you don't win the lottery just because you um, get absent and stay absent. 
But what it does is it gives you a way out so that you don't have to succumb to these seemingly um, minor decisions and suddenly find yourself face down the food. I don't have to do that anymore. I don't even consider it because this way of life is so much better than anything I could ever imagine. And with, ever, with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Katie F. Reva P., it's your turn. Please go ahead. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto. These paragraphs to me are talking about, you know, the definition of insanity according to the big book and the inability to think straight or differentiate the true from the false. And uh, for me, this paragraph uh, reminds me of my halt eating. You know, in abstinence, when the food is down, what do I do when I am, what does it say here, nervous, angry, worried, depressed, or jealous? Can I white-knuckle those feelings and just don't pick up, don't pick up, don't pick up no matter what? You know, at this... um, reminds me that in the doctor's opinion, it says, I drink because I like the effect and I need to take the edge off. When I get that buildup of human emotion and like yesterday I was so angry about something, what do I do? So to me, this is pointing out the necessity of putting down the food but working the steps because when I need the edge off, That's why I picked up. I need to numb out because I can't stand being so angry. I can't, I I don't like being that uncomfortable in my feelings. They feel like I'm going to explode with emotion. And I deliberately pick up because I need my fix. Um, I need to shoot up on something. So this reminds me that it is like urgent that I continue, continue, Um, to do the step work because that's the only other substitute um, to take the edge off. And then, I don't know how this works, but it's miraculous. I can be angry. I can be a human being that has all these emotions. And something happens. I put pen to paper. I share it with somebody else. I do what it says, you know, 10, 11, 12. And maybe not immediately, and usually not immediately, because I always want my quick fix. Um, but, you know, at some point, I get the ease and the peace, and I can see the difference between my false thinking that says, you know, I'm angry at this person, I think I'll binge at them to punish them, or I'm angry at myself, so I'll punish me. Like, it makes totally no sense. Um, and I can see clearly um, and think straight and then proceed with my day. And that's huge. That's totally huge. And over time, it becomes easier, and I feel like I go deeper and deeper, just um, smashing those old beliefs um, that drove me to do self-destructive things. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Vicki T., you're up. Hi, thank you. This is Vicki T. from Florida, recovering. Um, so I want to share a little bit about my last spree because hopefully it will shed some light on some things for some people because this is something new for me. And that's very humbling for me to say because I'm Vicki T and I know everything because I've been in OA since 1989 and I've been recovered so many times and I've got so much wisdom, blah, 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 blah. So 
<laughs> when I put my tail between my legs and asked somebody to sponsor me very recently, she asked me to talk to somebody about my food before we started working together. And I was like, I don't need to talk about my food. I have an issue. Something serious happened in my life. I need to go through the steps because I need to heal emotionally. Well, sure enough, I found out that, and this is the way I say it, I was using my um, alcoholic foods within the confines of my abstinence. What a beautiful way to say bullshit, excuse my language, you know. Um, but I didn't really know it until it was pointed out to me. And the reason why I say this is because my last binge, I realized what happened, that the physical allergy, uh, that I was doomed to repeat it. I was going to binge. It was just a matter of when. Could I, could I get three years? Could I get 20 years? Could I get one month? Whatever. But within the confines of my abstinence, and I don't have enough time to go into that, so if somebody wants to know more about it, I recommend they listen to Ruth H., Entire Abstinence Special Edition, or call me. I'm on the list. Um, so that was what was happening in the background. I didn't know that, right? So that was happening in the background within the confines of my abstinence, a.k.a., right? And then what, what causes me to relapse, and I know a lot of people have shared it with them too, romance and finance. I had both. I had an issue in my life that affected both things. And so that night when I went in and started eating, there was no... There was no thought of consequences. It was like almost like I was mentally ill. Like I just didn't think I, I was like in a trance. I mean, I could never say that anywhere else but on this line because people would be like, what's wrong with you? What do you mean when you were in a trance? That doesn't make sense. I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't sleep eating or sleep walking. And I know the justification. Again, there was a justification, there was a physical allergy, as well as an emotional component. So I had the full-blown allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, you know, really an example of how this disease manifests. So thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Vicki uh, Vicky T. Julie E.B., you are up, and then we'll open it up for some more shares. Okay, Julie, go ahead. Hi, this is Julie Evie, gratefully recovered in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Um, I just um, really, when I was reading through this book with my sponsor, um, one of the things I did is just look up different words. And um, in this case, excuse me, <clears throat> in this case, um, when I hit the word justify, I was astounded at what I discovered um, these justified reasons. Uh, one, of, one of the things that it says under justified is for good reason. I would have good reason at times. It's, it seemed like nothing compared to what I was facing, which is, you know, 300 pounds, six medical specialists, thousands of dollars in bills, um, or thousands of dollars of pills for my latest restriction program. Um, and uh, death from from a lack of of balance in my body and hurting my body, um, but but I, I did have I did have reasons I had as the bottom page twenty five said I was blotting out what was to me an intolerable situation um, as best I could, 
And so um, I could work myself into states of every one of these emotions. And uh, then I, I was justified in my mind. Uh, the other definition for justified was so interesting. It was from printing from the old days. And, you know, nowadays when we justify, like, a, a document in a certain program, it means we line up the edges. And that's exactly what they did with the printing press. They would justify. They would have the outline, and then they would fit their letters inside of it. And that's what I did with my excuses. I had my reason, my, my firm desire to eat, and then I would just kind of fit my life. I'd stretch out some facts, and I'd contract other facts, and... All of a sudden, I had a good reason. And then I get to the last definition, and it said to be made right with God. To be made right with a higher power is to be justified. And that's a spiritual definition from certain religious backgrounds, which is not the point to offend anyone. But the idea that now in my life as a recovered person, when I have these different emotions, when I have these situations, uh, because I have this uh, way to work the steps, I can be made right from with God. I can have a fear and do a 10-step and see what God would have me be, a growing, unfolding child of the universe. I could look at this resentment and say to me, this is poison, I'm playing God and it doesn't work. So um, what a blessing today to be justified in a different way and not have to go down this road. Thanks for letting me pass, and I share. Pass. Thank you so much, Julie Easy. Okay, so we're on page 37, the third paragraph. Who else would like to share? Please go ahead. Katie G. Katie G. from Boston. Melody. Monica G. Monica G. Hoodie. I just want to have been. so far. I have. Hold, Beth hold, W. Hold on one sec, please. I've got Lisa B, Katie G, Carmela G, Monica T, Hoodie R, Leslie W. I could probably take one more. Eileen B. Eileen B. All right. Sounds like a great lineup. Lisa B, please go ahead. Good morning. Good morning. I'm here. Thank you for your service. Uh, my name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina, and I always love to relate the reading, you know, where I am today. And I, it's easy for me, yes, to relate back to where I was and when I came in, but where I am today, because I know, and Dr. Tebow, you know, back in the um, medical appendix, talks in some of his writings that is published on the internet about how the ego rebuilds itself. And even though I've done the steps, gone through the steps, you know, what I did years ago is not going to keep me in a recovered state of mind and body today. So um, it's the resentments, you know, and my attitudes and my self-pity that will get me. And I want to hold on to those things because they're comfortable, they're familiar. And, you know, a lot of the things that I've done in my fourth step inventory, I need to continue to sometimes deepen and go back. And I'll never forget, you know, I was recovered. I am recovered. But when I was newly recovered, um, I got in touch with a a resentment that my brother had died. And I realized that I was actually resentful at God. And I I really was struggling with this. And I called a fellow and, um, you know, he really helped me do the 10 step on that and to 
take a look at a willingness. I needed to muster up a willingness to take a new attitude, a new perspective. And that's what this whole program is about, being willing to let go of old ideas. You know, even as a recovered person, I need to continue to do that. And I felt like I didn't want to let go of that resentment because one day that could be something I would eat over. And it's not so much like me, but the illness in me. And it's, it's a part of me. It's like what someone says. It's not out in the parking lot doing push-ups. You know, it's inside of me. That's why I need to continue every day. You know, resentments and anger, like if someone doesn't call me or someone doesn't do this, small little things I need to share with another fellow. Anytime I'm distracted or disturbed in any way, I must do a 10-step. And they're usually really small, really petty things. Sometimes it's embarrassing, but I need to place myself in position to continue to receive the grace of this light and this power by sharing these things with other fellows. My first AA sponsor taught me the more honest you get with another alcoholic, you get closer to God. And I can really see that. You know, um, so I just wanted to share that it's the little footholds that get in there, the self-pity and the justification and the anger and the depression, that I must apply these steps. I must. It's not because I'm a great person, but my very life depends on continuing, growing, and developing um, this deepening process. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa B. Katie G., you are up. Good morning, my fellows. This is Katie G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston, I looked up the word always because it says for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happens. Now, for you word nerds like me, always means eternally, ever, everlasting, evermore, forever, forevermore, indelibly, permanently, perpetually. So for me, when I went back to the food, because I was exercising bulimically, I was on this line. I was saying, I'm KDG, I'm recovered, checking into work and going and exercising for two hours. Because this is not just about the ingredients that I put in my body that take me. This is about the behaviors. But what I have to remember is if I am a member of this program for me and I fully accept the doc op, doctor's opinion, then I have an allergy of the body that will always get me. I am never going to become a cucumber. I am never going to not be allergic to sugar. I am never going to change the physical part of me that is always allergic. And what's crazy about this disease is I have a mind that has been addicted to dieting forever. So I hear that. I say, oh, well, I'm binging on abstinent food. I only had one apple over my meal plan. I had a binge, but it was only on... I don't even understand that. I can go out on a bulimic behavior. I can go out on a pickle, right? It doesn't have to be a hot fudge sundae. This is not hot fudge sundae anonymous. This is the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that I have an abnormal reaction to, and it's never going to change. Always, 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 never. The other thing is, thank you, God. I was talking to a friend of mine today, yesterday. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got an understanding of a new freedom and a new happiness. When I first heard the promises, I thought, all right, Disney World, here I come. Here I come, dude. Like, I can't wait. But what being a recovered woman today means is that this is not feel-good anonymous. I'm sorry. 
This is OA. And we don't, we don't have the ability to take away the things that happen in life because life is beautiful and it is hard and it is glorious. But what we do have to offer you is a program of action that will help you no matter how bad it gets. You will have a solution that will give you a reason to live. Entire abstinence and helping others gives me a reason that whatever external issue is happening, because it happens even though I'm recovered, I don't have to binge, purge, starve, or go back to the foods, ingredients, and behaviors that will always bring me down, no matter what I think. And I am so blessed by all of you that teach me and help me stay grounded with that. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. Carmela G., it's your turn. Thank you so much for your service. This is Carmela G., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. This paragraph took me right back to when I was in disease and how my insane mind worked. And then it made me focus on what really sold me on this program of recovery, the doctor's opinion, an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind even when I'm abstinent I can be insane if I don't surrender daily and stay out of my crazy head it is only through working these steps and as the book says being of maximum service to my higher power that I call God and to my fellows. And it is through those actions that I can maintain putting one foot in front of the other and staying on the road to happy destiny. That is what this paragraph says to me. It reminds me, Carmela, you are nuts. And as someone said in a face-to-face meeting, the meaning of nuts is not using the steps. So therefore, every single day, I must, if I choose to be happy, joyous, and free, and that's where I want to be, and live in the sunlight of the spirit, I must work these steps and remind myself that there is a power greater than myself that truly loves me and wants me to be happy. So therefore, I continue to trudge the road with all of you, and I thank you. I pass. Thank you, Carmela G. Monica T., you're up. Please go ahead. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive reader presently in Vermont. So here we are in the chapter, More About Alcoholism, and I was taught that this chapter had to do with dealing with the mind, the mental obsession, the the second path of step one, unmanageability. So in this paragraph, what I'm um, getting at here is I'm 
the big book is trying to show me that it doesn't make any difference whether I, like on page 36, suddenly get into the food or I feel um, justified by something that has happened or whatever. In both cases, I have absolutely no memory of the consequences or of the resolutions that I have made. Our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. So I think the big book's trying to point out here, it doesn't make any difference whether this thought happens suddenly or you're planning that binge for tonight when you get home from work. In either case, it's crazier in hell because I don't have any memory of the consequences or resolutions I have made. The obsession of my mind is working here. And I have got to realize that I am 100% absolutely powerless over this mental obsession, this crazy thinking, this inability to think straight. And I need a higher power to help me. Thank you, God. We've got a solution. And we've got, we've got a solution. We do have, there is a higher power. And working through the steps is the way to do it. Thank you. I pass. Thank you, Monica T. Hoodie R, you are up. Hi, Amy. This is, this is Hoodie R, recovered compulsive overeater. And um, I just love this paragraph, the reminder, you know, but even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that one justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in the light of what always happened. And um, I could just have so many personal experience with what always happened. I, I would justify myself. I wouldn't even think before doing something. And um, and was that being any too smart? Um, that insanity, because it's just crazy thinking that I would think that, you no, know, for example, okay, I'm just going to have um, a more banana than I'm supposed to have. And that's going to be okay. I'll get back right on track. And that didn't happen. Um, um, I needed structure. I need structure. And I need to be able to also to not eat the things that are triggering my mind and getting my mind. Um, I'm just clearing my mind. I have to do this work. I have to con- talk to other people on a daily basis because my crazy thinking gets me in all areas to do the thing that I don't want to do. You know, it's they say, I mean, heard on the line, I do what I don't want to do, and I want to do what I don't, when I don't do. I think that's the way it goes. But I'm just so grateful that today I get to check my thinking before taking any actions because you all, you, are, those people who are recovered are those that help me straighten myself up. They hear things in my voice. They hear things that are going on even without me thinking about them. And that sets up a relapse. It's that premeditation. It's that thought that comes before. I had no thinking. Whenever I took that first bite, I just took it without even thinking of what's going to happen. And then it happened. So I'm just so grateful today for the, for today. I am abstinent. I am in recovery, living one day at a time together with all of you. And I'm grateful. Bye, Beth. 
Thank you, Hoodie R. Leslie W., it's your turn. Go ahead. Thanks, Amy, for your service. This is Leslie W. Glad to be on the line with all of you this morning. Um, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Tennessee. And I had to jump in on this one because, uh, boy, uh, justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy. You know, the list could go on and on for me. I had many justifications and reasons and excuses for overeating, Um you know, I really mastered the art of victimization and uh, martyrdom uh, during this period of my life where I was constantly shoving food into my mouth all hours of the day and night. Um, you know, for me, I just, I've always had, even as a child, I've, you know, always had this, um, this, this need to, to want to draw attention to myself Um I want you to feel sorry for me. I want you to feel something for me. I want you to notice me. I want you to to see me. Um, And I want that validation. I crave that validation. And so I, I, I really just felt like any, any time, any time I felt like that, which I could feel like that often. And especially, you know, when my disease took hold of me as a new mom, I, I just felt so insecure all the time. Um, and I, you know, I felt such self-pity, waves of self-pity, um, you know, and I'll, I'll never forget um, one day talking to somebody about, you know, how hard it is to be a stay-at-home mom and how tired I am and all of these things, and then they said to me, but you, you chose this life. You know, that's the thing that that program has done for me is it has allowed working the steps. I won't say going to meetings. Going to meetings didn't really do anything but increase my awareness of my disease. But for me, um, in the face-to-face room, that's, I, de- I never took any action. You know, I'm taking action today. I'm taking responsibility for my life. And so when I feel that 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 victimization mode come over me, I know that I've got to take some sort of action because it's not going to go anywhere. Those feelings are not going to go anywhere unless I do something about them. And the only thing I know to do is, is, is to, is to work these steps to do what I'm told to get off my butt and do something. And that's, that was my problem. I never did anything. I talked, I talked a good talk, you know, and I went to meetings and I, fellowship, but I, I, I never took the action that I needed to take to get well. And thank, thank goodness today I'm willing to take that action. So um, with, with that, I pass. Thanks, Amy. Thank you, Leslie. Okay, Eileen B., you're up. Please go ahead. Eileen, press star one. Good morning. Here you are. Yes. Sorry, it took me a while to unmute. I didn't know I was coming up. Um, my name is Eileen B. I am a recovering bulimic from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And um, this passage makes me really, really sad because it takes me back to to the time when I was heading into my disease, when I would decide, okay, today's the day, and then... Um, 
then I, I would fail. Or on the other hand, I would just say, forget it. You know, forget the consequences. Don't think about anything. You just, you know, I'm justified. I deserve this. And then when it's over, then it's like, oh, poor me. I feel so bad. Why did I do it again? But today, by the grace of God, I'm not in my bulimic behaviors. And and with you guys, I'm learning what recovery is. And um, and this disease is just it's just very difficult. It's um, you know that it's cunning, powerful, patient, all those things. And I just. I just don't want to get to the point to get to the buildup of human emotion, and I'm trying to learn to do step 10 so that I don't get to that point. Because as people have said, by the time you decide to binge or by the time you take the first bite, that's not when your relapse begun. Your relapse begun way, way before you took any of those behaviors or had any of those thoughts. So this buildup of human emotion and the way to deal with it with a step 10, for me, this is new. Maybe this is not new for you guys, but you guys have taught me that there is a way around this, that I don't have to succumb to this. And I just wanted to thank everybody who provides service for this meeting and for everybody who shares their experience, strength, and hope. You guys are teaching me what recovery is like. Thank you. And how to go about it. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eileen D. We have time for one two-minute share. Who would like to take us out? No takers? Jason K. Jason, go for it. Hi, it's... Hey, Jason K. Recovered compulsive eater and bulimic, and I, I guess if nobody wants it, you can twist my arm and I'll I'll share. Um, but I, I love this because, um, you know, we go out and we get back into the food for different reasons. You know, for some people, you know, it's these suddenly, it's these mental blank spots. For some people, you know, it's this... Um, um, you know, obsessive thought, this thought that um, crowds out all others. And in, in my experience, there was sometimes it was deliberate. I would say, I, I can't do this anymore. I can't keep trying to um, stay abstinent. I can't, the, the meetings, they aren't working. I can't follow this food plan. Um, I, I didn't understand the allergic foods that were um, messing with my system and creating this phenomenon of craving you know, causing me to go back again and again, and I was just trying to use my willpower. Um, and this uh, time and time again, the big book saying, you know, our willpower, our mind, our thinking, you know, it, it, it's not sufficient. It's not, um, doesn't have enough uh, depth and weight and, and power 
to keep us out of the food. We can't think of the consequences and how bad it was. That's not going to come into our mind with sufficient force um, to stop us. Um, so we have all these mindsets. And the baffling thing for me is I'd say, I'm depressed. I eat because I'm depressed. Well, you know, I was also happy and I'd be celebrating. It'd be my birthday. And then there comes the cake and the ice cream and the cookies and the candy. And I'm off and running. Um, I was eating because I was bored, you know, because I felt numb and I just wanted to feel something. And then sometimes for no reason at all, I couldn't seem to find a reason. And as long as I was searching my rational mind, I wasn't finding uh, an answer because the rational mind is looking for a reason for an insane, irrational, impulsive uh, disease that's driving me irrevocably back into the food again and again and again. Uh, until I'm fully and completely demoralized. And then I turn to um, something greater than reason, greater than my mind, uh, a higher power, and and at first the power of the fellowship, but then to the program of action, the 12 steps, um, to a higher power um, that's uh, enough, that becomes enough uh, to live my life on and to keep me out of the food. Um, and that's what we call uh, recovery. So thank you for the two minutes. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Jason Kay. And thank you, everyone who has shared. And for all those who gave service, greatly appreciated readers and all. Please join us for another second awesome unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Wednesday, July 3rd, 2019, 7 a.m. meeting is 13,109, that's 13109, 13109. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Leon, could you please read the vision for you for us? Good morning. This is Leon B., gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you, as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.